Hi, this is Caroline, and you're listening to Get a Clue Stories of Business. This is my podcast on change management, transformation, and restructuring. It's still early days. It's the 10th of January, 2024. And it's that time of the year where people have made New Year resolutions. They might still cling to them, implement them. I'm thinking about those that say, I want to lose weight and maybe by now I have gone to the gym three times, but I assure you at the end of the month, most people will have given up. New Year's resolutions and the fact that so many people fail to achieve them are a compelling example for a key concept for self-reflection and change management. And that concept is called competing commitments. It was made popular by Harvard Business School professors Robert Keegan and Lisa Lahi. They talked about it in a November 2001 article, which you can still find online. It was published by Harvard Business School Review. And the article is called The Real Reason Why People Won't Change. While the examples provided in the article are very much centered on corporate settings, employees that pledge they want to achieve a promotion and then never really go for it or self-sabotage display behavior that is simply not conducive to getting a promotion. This concept per se is universal. You can deploy it to your own personal life. You can use it when you talk to peers at your job. You can use it in your mastermind with friends from all over the world to unearth why individuals do not achieve the goal that they pledged to be so important to them. The key assumption of the competing commitment concept is that while individuals pledge a certain goal to commit to a certain goal, they have an underlying commitment that might be detrimental to the first one and that prevents them from achieving the goal. I have given and hosted workshops on this concept. For instance, in January of 2019, my friend Aurora, who is an executive coach, and I provided a two-hour workshop in Hong Kong to professionals to help them understand what competing commitments are all about, to give them time to complete the competing commitment worksheet and to self-reflect in the process. It is a very powerful tool. In a similar vein, in the fall of 2022, I explained the concept to students from HEC Business School, that's a French business school, and after they had discussed a couple of examples with each other, they also provided me with the feedback that they really liked the concept and that it helps them understand some of their own behaviors. In change management, this concept belongs to the category of, I'd say, employee self-empowerment uh, concepts because it helps individuals step on the balcony and understand when and where and for what reasons they self-sabotage. 
The example provided in the famous article, The Real Reason Why People Won't Change in 2001 is a manager that, no, sorry, an employee that says he wants to get promoted, but then engages in all kinds of behaviors that are not conducive to achieving that goal. And it turns out that he or she comes from an ethnic group and a socioeconomic background where being part of the elitist management clan was simply not something one would do. So when you catch yourself pledging a certain goal, but then doing everything and anything to not achieve it, you might want to look at some of your family of origin dynamics or at some of the beliefs and assumptions that your friendship group holds or your teammates. What makes the competing commitment concept powerful is to actually apply it to your own life. And that can be in a professional or in a personal capacity. I tend to use the competing commitment worksheet every time I explain the goal, because the moment you apply it, it gets easier to understand. I actually created an Excel based on the table that is part of this very famous article from 2001, the real reason people won't change. There are four columns in the original worksheet. I actually added a fifth one based on input that I got during my executive master's degree in coaching and change management. This is where I first came across this concept. And the columns are, first column, What's your stated commitment? So let's think about the person that says, I want to drop 5K this year and I want to hit the gym twice a week. So that's the stated commitment. I pledge to lose weight this year. Then the next column is already conducive to self-reflection because it asks the very pertinent question, what am I doing or not doing that is keeping my stated commitment from being fully realized. In the gym example, that might be a person who after the first two weeks, so I guess right about now, starts not going to the gym twice per week, but only once a week and eats a bag of potato chips every second night. What is the competing commitment? Now that is the third column that I recommend you complete as part of the competing commitment worksheet. And a competing commitment might simply be when I lose weight, I have proven to myself that I can achieve most of the goals that I set for myself. So I have to move out of my comfort zone. And I certainly don't want to do that. Fourth column is what are the big assumptions? Big assumptions are beliefs, worldviews, concepts you inherited from your family of origin, concepts that are popular in your friendship group. And in that instance, it could be my friends don't want to be my friends anymore if I'm thin because everybody else doesn't work out. So they're not going to accept me. I added a fifth column, and this is something I use in workshops, and that was also taught to me as part of this executive master's degree is, what are some of the small experiments that you can engage in to counter your big assumptions and your beliefs? That could be, in this example, I 
lose 2.5 kilograms and then talk more often to my friends about healthy food, exercising, see what happens when I help them understand the change and whether one or two of them aren't actually eager and interested in pursuing a similar health regime. So again, the worksheet is helpful because it is a very structured manner of approaching your own behavior, that of your peers, of members of organization, and understand why there's so much self-sabotage. Again, first column, you write down your stated commitment. So what's your goal? The second, you already describe the behaviors that prevent you from achieving that goal. And you also describe those that help you achieve that goal, but you actually get an idea already of what you're doing. So what are your actions? actions. And then the third column already gets to the nitty gritty, because this is now about the competing commitment. What might be a detrimental commitment you have something that is completely opposed to the goal you have. The fourth column is dedicated to beliefs, assumptions, stories you learned in your family of origin. So that's the big assumptions. And then at the fifth column, I recommend you talk about experiments. To make this even more personal, I want to share with you a competing commitment that was very prevalent in my life in 2023. We had to move my mom to a nursing home because of health reasons, and we decided to keep a house that we co-own, my sibling and I. And the house comes with a garden. There's a lot of work. It's a house that was built in 1974 by my dad, who was an architect. So obviously you have to repaint the walls, maybe get rid of certain, you know, furniture items, things like that. And while I had openly pledged my financial goal for 2023, I ended up doing a lot of the work around the house myself, including painting walls, okay, while listening to Blackpink, but still I painted the walls myself, gardening, I redid the entire front yard. And all in all, it took me a lot of time and energy to do this. I'm not really sure I enjoyed the work, but my competing commitment in the scenario was that I have to do all of this work myself it is not okay for me to outsource the work because my father also didn't do that. But my father was a Mason and then an architect. He clearly had the skill set to do all of this. I don't. I'm a management consultant. I'm a change management expert. That's my skill set. So some of the experience I could have conducted and didn't would have been to say, why don't I just spend 200 euros on a gardener? And during the four to five hours that this person, you know, invests into beautifying, prettifying the garden, getting rid of the herbs, the wild herbs and all of this, what weeds, sorry, the weeds, I focus on business development activities or on recording more podcast episodes. Another experiment I could have engaged in is to hire handymen who paint the walls so that I don't have to do it. And again, can maybe host a webinar, attract clients, etc. So the moment you talk about competing commitments and actually explain some of your very own ways of self-sabotaging, it becomes very transparent how impactful this concept can be. 
apply it to a corporate setting, the beauty really is that it helps employees to self-reflect. It empowers them because the moment you self-reflect on your own behavior, you become a new person. You unearth some of the beliefs that were maybe only subconscious and you have all the tools to change. And during a change project, this is what is the most effective and impactful. You can apply it to any and all changes, personal, professional, at the organizational level, at the individual employee level. But in my view, competing commitments is as impactful as looking at the change curve by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And that's why I love talking about it and teaching it in workshops. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you have feedback and comments, or if you would love to share another impactful tool that helps employees self-reflect and unearth some of the ways they resist a change, please share it with me. I'd be delighted to receive that information. Thank you.